Amelia Richardson Valiente is a performer, actor, dancer, and emotive aerobics facilitator based in Los Angeles. Amelia is also the wildly charismatic leader of the benevolent cult of Pony Sweat, a fiercely non-competitive dance aerobics celebration. Pony Sweat is a practice in anti-perfectionism and radical self-acceptance. The goal of this high-energy, emotive healing journey is to cultivate freedom of movement and thought to take care of ourselves and of each other. Welcome, Amelia, to Pony Sweat. Just kidding. Welcome, Amelia, to Sober Sex. Creativity, authenticity, body autonomy, mental health, sexuality, gender identity, recovery, recovery, got it, mental growth, sober, sex, all of this and more, sober, sex, you'll never get bored, sober, sex, all of this and more, sober, sex, we're never ever bored, creativity, authenticity, body autonomy, I'm so happy to see you. What's one sec? Let me pull yeah. up the questions so I'm not just like freestyling. Because <laughs> that could be, because I could get weird real fast. Um, there we go. <laughs> so, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. I, um, I, um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I think I'm good. Sorry, it's the it's the morning where I am, and it usually takes me like my strongest hours are between like 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. I really have like three strong hours where I feel <laughs> really connected and in my body. <laughs> and before that, you're just like fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like how am I? Yeah, exactly. But um, I um, I like took some time and I um, you know, I like said a prayer. Right before, Aww. that's why I was like a minute late. Was I was like, oh fuck, I gotta like you know, I gotta pray. <laughs> I gotta pray. I gotta get my energy, and I um, did so. Did a little bit of like tiny bit of exercise before I got here. So yeah, I I think you know if I write all if I put all that on paper, it seems like I'm fine and good. I'm really good. Seems like I'm really good. I think I'm really good, Louisa. Thanks so much for asking. How are you? <laughs> it seems like you have a strategy at least, which I think is like a really strong way to start. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean like honestly I totally am with you. Like I my, I'm very strong early in the morning, but not interpersonally. Like I'm strong <laughs> just for my own personal pleasure and activities. But like I would rather not have any meetings before two PM. Yeah. Um so thank you very much for meeting with us in your morning. And yeah, it's it's uh six thirty PM here. So totally opposite, winding down. <laughs> um but you, so you're in LA. Yeah, I'm I'm in Los Angeles. I'm currently um, in Glasswell Park at the at the dance studio that I teach at. I come here on Monday morning sometimes to make videos and sometimes to just fuck around and um, come up, you know, come up with different, uh, you know, exercise designs or song choreographies or so. That's so kind of, yeah, I'm so curious about process, right? Because like. I'm very impressed by the the pony sweat body of work <laughs> like and the choreography. I mean it's like it's so fantastic and I think like we'll we'll get into this is supposed to be a later question but whatever <laughs> like we're going in. Um 
Like, did you feel like now getting back into in-person gatherings, like, have you noticed a shift in like the demographic that you're teaching to, or the feeling that you're having actually like in the room with people, like what's, what's shifted over the pandemic? I mean, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is that I teach way less than I did before the pandemic. So, um, before the, before before like 2019 beginning of 2020 there were like nine weekly classes there was me and two other teachers um sometimes depending on the other teacher schedules like I would teach all nine of those classes wow um um a lot of dancing (laughs) but it happened it did happen you know and I was yeah it's a lot of dancing and a lot of a lot of dancing a lot of space holding a lot of facilitating um oh my cute <laughs> Sorry, right, right, right. And um, yeah, and and you know, like, uh, like teaching pony sweat for me is like, it's a, you know, it's it's uh, it's a way to like um, express my my performance self. So like, it's it's a performance. It feels like a show to me. I like bring show energy to it. That's so special. Um, and, I love that so much. Yeah, it is. It is special. Thanks for saying so. I just, I do think it's special. And um, you know, not everybody knows that's what's going on. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, but that's fine. What's going on for me, and I, um, and so doing that, like, so I think I, um, you know, in in 2018 to 2019, I was like really burning out so much, and I um, like over. That's a lot of shows again. to do. Like nine yeah, nine hours like, of shows a week is like a ton. Yeah, I just wasn't like, and I wasn't, I just wasn't, and I was in a, I was performing with a band at that time too, you know, just like all this, like, you know, and, and, and the pony sweat practice, like I, I started as a practice of, of, um, you know, connecting with, with body, like really like noticing what my body liked and didn't like, like really, really wanting to facilitate, um, a practice for that through dance aerobics because that's what my body loves to do. My body loves dance aerobics. That's so awesome. <laughs> but, but, like, but like how do we Specifically it only likes this. The yeah, exactly. This exactly. It, does. it does. It is its favorite. It is its favorite. I mean, well, my body likes but, like screaming. Yeah. <laughs> like roaring and jumping. Yeah. So perfect. Everybody can find their thing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I feel like that's what I imagine what this uh, podcast like our talk would be about was that was like like, what does your body love to do and my body loves to do dance aerobics and so like how do but how do I embody the most of myself while I'm doing dance aerobics and so that's kind of like how pulling sweat started um but I'm circling back to the original question oh is that um you know when I look back at that time like you know I as grateful as I am to have had the opportunity to practice to have so many classes to have people to help me um, teach that many classes to have people coming to class that wanted to take that many, you know, like as grateful as I am for, for, for that, I also, you know, looking back in hindsight, I'm like, oh, wow, I really wasn't actually like honoring my own body's limits Mm. and limit limits and boundaries and like was really overriding. So, so hard. Um, the stuff that I, you know, and like, I mean, as we do, (laughs) as we do, right? Yeah, everything I teach is like, yeah, everything that I teach is what I'm like also practicing. But um, so I would say that like the major difference when you ask the question of like what's what's the feeling? I think the the first thing I think of is that I teach way less. Like right now, I teach I teach twice a week, Um, and I'm the only teacher. I don't have any other instructors, and. 
Um, I have a team. I have um, Michelle Rivera, who's the artistic producer and operations lead at Pony Sweat. And then I have my social media manager, Isabel Osgood Roach. And um, so I have a team that helps, but, but it's just me teaching. But it's also, it also moved online at the same time, right? So like there's this other practice as well, correct? Yeah, totally. So that, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, it's, yeah, the, the container has expanded across time and across space. So just the coolest thing yeah, <laughs> of the way of putting, like we work remotely now. It's like, it's expanded across time. It's why it's, you know, I mean, it, you know, blows my mind to no end that, um, Yes, you have, like, a ga- you have a gang in France. For yeah, example. exactly. So you know, I mean, that's so fun. And I know a friend, like a friend that moved to Berlin during the pandemic got to like come to Pony Sweat. And, um, and we got to like, you know, uh, so many other folks. Like there's a pony in Poland that comes on the regular. And um, yeah, we had, yeah, I mean, and that container, and it took a while to find like what that container was, right? Like when I was really, when we were all super, so when we were all distanced, when even me and Michelle weren't in the same room, when she was running the Zoom from her house and I was in my bandmate's um, studio below my old apartment, do, teaching like all of us alone, all of us alone in our space and trying to like really, really like um, really nourish a connection across time and space. And I think, I mean, I know, I know it worked. It fucking worked. Yeah, it totally fucking worked. worked. It worked the way, it works the way that it does in class. You know, it's different, of course, but it's also, it's also the same as that, like, people were reflecting their memories of the songs and people were like, you know, talking about how, like, yeah, how they feel, they felt connected to each other through doing the same movement at the same time. And I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really magical and, and wild. And so now we do a, we still teach online um, when we live stream. We live stream um, the in-person class and we have videos and yeah, that's, um, yeah, I think I like over answered your question. No, that's and beautiful. And again, even, it's a long podcast. Like, <laughs> I over answered and under answered maybe. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, like, cool. I, I feel okay. like <laughs> it is and I love it. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting though, because I feel like I kind of had the opposite experience, like live streaming DJ sets, like they made me feel so severed. And I like Mm. how you, like you talked about really intentionally nourishing a connection. And I felt like I was literally like unable to do so, you know, just cause it it required such a different skill set. like playing in front of people. It was kind of about like setting up a feedback loop based on the, like anticipated energy right and kind of like giving something back and receiving it and like knowing the music that would that would kind of facilitate that process and then in the live stream it's like it's recorded so you can't play any songs that you've played before (laughs) so and there's also no one there (laughs) like the voice sucked so I love the idea that like there's especially kind of even you said like setting the intention of like praying before doing this thing of like I do think intentionality matters with that stuff and it's easy to forget that it does in a digital format because it's like it's so hard to feel you know like even right now like I don't know if you can see me but like you're really pixelated and I can only read body language (laughs) I mean it looks very like I I feel like we're watching like a VHS from like 1999 it's like spooky but like it's okay 
but it's, I mean, your mullet looks great from what okay. I can tell. Yeah, we're going to touch on that later. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how, you know, I, I, I see and I appreciate the fact that it's like you're, you're thinking about what you're doing. You know, it's not, it's not by accident and it, and that doesn't mean you can't make mistakes. It just means that like there's an intentionality of process. Right. And that's really yeah, impressive. Right. Well, something that you said reminded me, you know, and there were, you know, there were articles, people were talking about collective effervescence, like in a way that I hadn't experienced, like, you know, like I'd like heard it before, like people refer to it, you know, it's a, it's a thing that happens in, um, in like dance aerobics classes, you know, specifically specifically in dance aerobics classes, no, and in dance clubs and in dance clubs, but when folks are, when folks are moving together and um, in like, you know, which is like in ritual, like when people are moving together in, in whatever type of ritual, like there's this, you know, there's collective effervescence can be achieved. And, um, you know, like you and I, trying to facilitate that experience alone in our rooms digitally is, I mean, I, I, I knew sometimes that I was, I knew, I knew that I was relying heavily on my imagination. And like, I knew that, I knew that because like I, while that I really had to, that I really had to suspend so much of my disbelief. Yeah. That's like, Especially because like, it's pre-recorded, right? Like the, these are the mixtapes that are kind of like sent into the other after you record them. It's not the live stream, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, I was, no, I was live. I was teaching when we were in shutdown, I was teaching. I do have videos that are pre-recorded, but I, I did do like Zoom classes oh, like where we nice. were. Yeah. So, so there was, there was like, we're all doing this at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> we're all doing this at the same time for sure. But a lot okay. of that, a lot of the, the sense of connectivity, like I did rely on my, I wasn't sure like what was my imagination and what was like you know the actual sensation that you were experiencing yeah totally it doesn't matter (laughs) it doesn't matter and I would just decide that it didn't like I would just surrender to it like what what does it matter what does it matter and I feel like you know artists like are doing that all the time they're just like always like surrendering to like their own like belief yeah I mean and it's necessary like it's absolutely like it's impossible to not like if you think too hard about the reception. It's like literally impossible to make the thing happen. So you have to be utterly convinced before, like, because <laughs> exactly. otherwise, like, why the fuck? I mean, I had a, a vocal teacher who is like, people are paying to see you. Yeah. Like, you can't have any. Like, you can't have doubts about what you're doing. <laughs> I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you are there to convince them. You know, like. Totally. It's the, it's the biggest, it's the biggest fake it till you make it. Yeah. Sometimes I, yeah. Sometimes I, I'll say, you know, I'll say to myself or, you know, I've joked with my friend, my friend Jibs, who, who's a performance artist and runs a night called Weirdo Night. You know, we talk about performance a lot and, and, um, she performs his dynasty handbag. And like, we've talked about how like nobody, like nobody like buys the ticket to like, see you feel shy. Like, yeah. like, no one wants to, like, see me feeling shy. No. Um, you have to, like, you are dance aerobics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're embodying the thing. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. a journey or was that, like, I mean, was that kind of, like, you stepped into it and you were, like, how did you arrive at dance aerobics being, like, the truest form of self-expression? It's so beautiful. Well, I think it's that. I think it's kind of... 
again, uh, again, like surrendering, surrendering to like what is, like what is actually like what actually is. And, you know, I, I've loved, you know, I'm, I'm a lucky person that like, I've loved dance aerobics since I, you know, was like, you know, I was born in 1983. So like I came up, I grew up, my most, you know, heavily influenced years were in the eighties. Um, so aerobics was around and I always loved to dance since I was a kid and dance aerobics is is accessible, you know, also like you don't have to be, you don't have to be like a, um, rigorously technically trained dancer to do dance aerobics. And, um, and I wasn't rigorously technically trained <laughs> to dance. So, so, you know, it really suited me. It really suited us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, that's very kind. That's very kind. I've, um, and I, um, I, but I didn't, but I didn't like accept that about myself. Like for most, like basically mm-hmm. like, throughout um at some point I don't know what age this happened but like I was thoroughly convinced that I was like not I mean I think it's early as t-ball like I decided that I wasn't like an athletic person and I kind of learned to like mistrust my body which I mean is related mm-hmm. it's not just t-ball right there's, <laughs> there's a lot no, of shit that you. happened in my childhood totally. that made me mistrust my body and um and so like my body was just like not like a safe trustworthy like vessel for me and I so um I didn't do things that made it feel strong and like I um I felt so much shame so much embarrassment about about moving my body about anything that like about pleasure about um about you know the things that happened to my body when my heart was up um you know like sweating basically just sweating and like turning red um about looking clumsy like just no space like no space to like look clumsy or like look like I don't know right yeah um, oh my god but I think that that's kind of like especially women and just to check and we'll circle back to this later but are she her still good pronouns for you oh yeah yeah thank you so much thanks for asking (laughs) yeah which usually is at the top and we'll get into that again later but (laughs) this idea of like being socialized as women like perfection like there's not a lot we've been thinking about this a lot like what would I have maybe done differently if I was born a dude (laughs) or been socialized as a man and this idea of like we had like perfectionism is ingrained socially because like there's not a lot of room for fucking up especially if you want to put yourself out there in any way you know like you have to be like there's that messaging of like you have to be perfect to even exist here because like otherwise what the fuck are you doing (laughs) and I think that's getting like sanded off but like I hear you about like the shame of like not being like, like if, it, if I'm not perfect at it, why on earth would I even try? Because I'll look like a fucking moron, you know? Yeah, totally. And I just, yeah. And just like, no. And if I look like, you know, and if I, yeah. And if I look stupid or make a mistake, then like, I'm not worthy, <laughs> you know, of love or whatever. So like, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't do dance aerobics. Like, you know, I would like pretend dance aerobics when I was a kid. Oh. And, um, yeah, of course. And then, um, and then actually like I, um, and maybe occasionally like when I moved to LA, when I moved to LA, um, I went to Richard Simmons class at the Slimmons studio. I moved to LA in 2000, 2006. So this I think, was maybe late 2006, early 2007. And, um, you know, and that was like, obviously a, 
very um, Mecca. important. Yeah, <laughs> in a very important place and a very important experience of my in my life to go there. Um, but even then, you know, uh, this is actually funny that you know, like what he I went with my I went with my girlfriend at the time and our friend and like, um, you know, his his feedback to us was, you know, like you girls might be skinny, but you need to work on your stamina. And he was right. Like, he was right. Like, you know, at that point, at that point, like I was, um, Very direct feedback, Richard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for the direct feedback. Really appreciate that. I receive your feedback, Richard Simmons. Um, what, but I mean, but he was right. Like I didn't, I didn't know how to breathe. Like I didn't know how to like breathe when my heart rate was up. Like I've never been able to like run long distance at all. Like I, because I don't know how to breathe. I feel like I'm going to throw up when my heart rate, you got, you know? So, um, so even that experience, like where I love to dance and I was like at this, like, you know, icons class, you know, this person that like I grew up, like dancing to the, his videos, like starting to the oldies was like around, you know? Um, the most and, revered dances, aerobics instructor maybe of all time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think so. Right. And like, um, I mean, yeah, I do. I think so. And, and, but even then, you know, I was like, oh, like, I guess this isn't like, this isn't the space for me either. You know, like I just, like I needed so much. I just needed like so much, so much gentleness actually turns out. And that's so, so beautiful um, though that you can offer that to your ponies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hope so. Yeah. I, 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 I try, I try, I do try. Um, but yeah, I didn't come back to aerobics till I got sober. And it was one of the first things that kind of came into my life. Like almost as soon as I got sober, I mean, so higher powered almost as soon as I got sober. Um, I found dance aerobics again. Oh, I mean, it's okay. So there's so much I want to ask. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is my like favorite conversation. Um, <laughs> just cause it's like hitting all the nails, right? It's like well, it embodiment is. and joy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm coughing on mute. <laughs> um, so, so one of our like, you know, I, I mentioned briefly pronouns, but one of our mm -hmm. kind of anchor questions, because it can feel mm -hmm. a little bit performative to be like, what are your pronouns? And then like kind of yeah. leave it there. We invite our guests to talk about their like experience of gender today. Oh, so I'm yeah. curious yeah, as to what your, your experience of gender today, like today is. Yeah, today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm comfortable with she, her pronouns today. But I'll also say that like it's... um. It's October when Louisa and I are having this conversation, and um, I really love October. Really, really love October so much, and I think like, um, you know, since I was a kid, I mean, always like Halloween. Halloween is like such. Um, it's one of my favorite holidays, and it's a you know, it's a holiday where like we like uh, collectively in the United States, like um, many of us, you know, explore gender. <laughs> And I find that really exciting. Um, it's just like, um, but I would say like in October, the last few years, I've really, and I would say that even this is true for me today, even as I was like exercising beforehand, that like, I really feel like um, my gender is vampire Kiefer Sutherland from Lost Boys. And, um, That's so awesome and very specific. I love it. It's my favorite. That, also, the reframing of Halloween is just like gender exploration. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yes. Yeah, right? Like, I mean, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's totally fine to like, 
be like be whatever an animal, be a cheetah, uh, be exactly like whatever you want. Um, yeah, I would say that, and that doesn't happen the just in month. October, but in the <laughs> but in the month of October for sure, the last few years have been like major major vampire keeper Sutherland yeah oh that's so awesome and I see that and I respect it I honor (laughs) that part of you like hardcore that's so rad (laughs) thank you for seeing me (laughs) I have to revisit Lost Boys that's very sick I'm like I'm I'm intrigued um (laughs) so harsh pivot now about sex Uh, (laughs) I mean not really it's not that it's like not that big a pivot it's kind of like a quarter turn um so uh what were the first messages you received around sex and sexuality when you were growing up yeah I mean um it happened so early that I don't like remember ever not knowing about sex and sexuality like it happened so like I was um my parents got divorced when I was like pretty young how old was I maybe like four or five um and they were really young they were kind of like um like hippie bohemian um and there was just like a lot of sex around, like around me, like all the time. Because they were both dating. Like they, yeah. My dad, my dad, my dad definitely did. My mom, my mom was pretty devoted to my dad, but, um, but yeah, like, um, yeah. There was just like a lot of like open, like discussion about sex, like sex with me present. Um, so that was like kind of like at home and then um and then and and I think because of that like I I was like a hypersexual kid so like me both me and my sister my sister's 3 years older than me we were both like hypersexual kids so like you know um like making out with other kids as play like a lot of yeah like a lot of like acting out like what we what we were yeah it makes sense it's like this is what you're bearing witness to so yeah exactly exactly and then and then in another way in another way like I was a huge Madonna fan from like being maybe three years old I think when I was three I got the flu and my family friend Jill bought me the true blue record and that um and like you know, I loved that record and I'm not sure where I was seeing imagery of Madonna, but I think she must've been everywhere. I mean, that would have been 19. Yeah, she's like in the lexicon. Cause also yeah. you're like the third sober sex guest to be like, Madonna was the first yeah, <laughs> that, idea I of mean, sex and sexuality. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was so powerful and, um, and you know, and like, and what she was doing at that time was like, um, you know, people were really like upset about it. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. right, like now it's it's like, so wild to imagine. But like, you know, where I grew up, I remember like as I got older, I went to school, and like I was I was still a huge Madonna fan. But like, you know, kids would make fun of me for it because she was seen as like this fucking like 
you know, deviant freak, you know, and I must be a deviant freak for being a fan. Anyway, but when I was three, I remember like, I don't know where I was seeing, I don't know where I was seeing her because we didn't have like all we watched, we're allowed to watch was like PBS. Like, I don't know where I was seeing (laughs) Madonna, but I was dancing, but I was dancing like her. And I, and I imagine maybe that's just what her music made my body want to do. But like, you know, I was like, you know, touching my body, like a lot of writing and gyrating on the ground, like a lot of like, you know. You know, I don't think, I mean, I wish, I'll say, I'll say <laughs> I wish that they were like, oh boy, or whatever. <laughs> like, see me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that. This is who I am. That. <laughs> that. <Aww. laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's and so then how did it kind of unfold from there? Like how did drugs and alcohol enter the picture? How did you kind of like how did how did your life progress from that point from being three and being like Madonna is it? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's my it, flagpole. Yeah. I mean it really like took a it did kind of like take a um take a turn and I'm not it just, it kind of took a turn like when my like early preteens from like 10, 11. Um, yeah, I had like so much, I had so much like shame in my body that it was like, it was like hard to be in my body. And, um, around that same time I had like learned of like kind of a legacy of like incest and abuse in my family and, um, you know, was really young and like, I don't, didn't really have the tools to like process that. Um, so I, yeah, um, at like 10, 11, that sounds like a really heavy thing to know about. Yeah. And I just, um, and so like, I really like, I just like kind of, uh, like internalized all of it and, um, yeah. And I felt really confused and yeah, just felt really confused about sexuality. And, um, and that was in the night, you know, I started smoking weed when I was 11 and, um, and, um, knew that I, you know, knew that I was like queer around that same time, like around 11, 12, I think was the first time I had a crush on, um, like, or it was the first time that like, I, I knew for a fact that like what I was experiencing was a crush. Exactly. And um, I also had my first kiss with a boy at that time and, like, got so fucking triggered, like, and didn't, you know, I know now, like, as an adult, I know what was happening, but, like, it threw my body in such, like, I was in, like, a really intense trauma response after my first kiss and was, like, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I have to be a nun. And then, like, I had this, like, kind of Winona Ryder from Mermaids. Remember Winona Ryder and Mermaids? I don't know if you saw that movie, but. I did not see this movie. Tell us, tell us about it. Oh, yeah, Winona Ryder and Mermaids <laughs> was, like, the daughter of Cher, who was, like, this, like, you know, really, like, 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 just, like, what, like, you know, they, they kind of paint her as, like, the, you Cher, know, like, this wild as a woman. Cher, exactly. Cher, <laughs> as a mermaid, exactly. Like, really, like, you know, dates a lot, like like wears like 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 high femme tight dresses like you know um and then her oldest daughter Winona Ryder like kind of goes the opposite and decides that she's gonna be like a nun she's gonna she like she's like a really um so I had seen that movie I was like oh I might be like that like I might need to be just like a nun because I didn't really know what was happening but um um and then da 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 yeah like my adolescence like uh, um 
I went to I went to a really tiny tiny school in rural Vermont. Um, like the, it was a public school, and there were thirty five people in my graduating class. You know, like really really tiny. We all grew up together. Like there wasn't like <laughs> we weren't like grinding at school dances. Like this was yeah. not like these people were like we were all like cousins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like occasionally people would like become boyfriend girlfriend or whatever. But like this was not. Oh, it was not like that. So like I didn't I didn't like. Um, have that kind of high school experience where people yes. were really having sex. There's um, no strangers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's no yeah, even have a crush exactly. on because you're like I've known them since I was like three. Yeah, 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 big time. And um, I wasn't really out. I wasn't like explicitly out, but I, um, you know, was I was an activist and like you know started a GSA at my school and like you know um, and and then I'll, I'll wrap up. But I'll um, you no, know I did um, no pressure. <laughs> I got involved. I got involved with the Unitarian Universalist Church when I was 15 and they have like a really strong um youth program and um called why are you you and it was like through why are you you that like I met other queer kids and I had girlfriends and I had girlfriends plural (laughs) (laughs) were you a player in your in your young church I finally I finally like yeah I finally like got to like achieve like yeah so I'm like I really wanted that like I really wanted that my sister was like my sister was I was not like I really looked up to my older sister and my older sister was like you know not did not have a period of time where she thought she might be a nun. Let's just put it that way. My sister was like a party <laughs> cool. girl. My sister was like a party girl. She was like, um, I saw her as being like a really like embodied, embodied her sexuality from like a young way in a way that I, I really, from a young age, um, in a way that I had really looked up to. And, um, you know, she was also like really beautiful. Like people would like stop her in the street to tell her how beautiful she was. Ugh. So irritating. That sounds really um, intense. <laughs> As her younger sister. Yeah, totally. I mean, for both of us, right? Like it didn't like yeah. it wasn't good for either of us. Um, <laughs> but you know, I really looked up to her and like also craved that kind of attention. And so finally, when I was like around like sixteen, like I finally like started meeting people that like you know were attracted to me, and like even though you know I had braces and like was like kind of shy and awkward, um, but it. That's, what a what a fucking beautiful validation though. It's like, oh fuck, like I I can I can be adored in this way, you know? Like I can be seen and adored. Hooray. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It is. It is. Yeah. Um Was that like how was your kind of uh addiction or alcoholism like weaving its way mm-hmm. in there? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because it's actually pretty strange. Like in junior high, I I, you know, like smoked a lot of weed in junior high. I was like a really I like had weed and I found the cure and like, um, oh, so the band, the cure. I smoked a lot of weed. I became a goth and like that kind of like saved me. And then, um, and then I had a really bad experience when I was 14. I, I smoked some weed that was laced, we think with angel dust at a, um, oh, at a God. concert. And like, I, it was like a really, really bad experience. And, um, and then from like from that point on, when I smoked weed, I would have like these panic attacks. So oh. I stopped smoking weed, and luckily, like I, luckily, I found around that same time, like I found um, the church. <laughs> I found, um, and so um, you know, I was really active with the church through high school, and I didn't really use a lot of drugs and alcohol in high school, like every once in a while, but not really. Um, and then. Um, 
I graduated high school. I kind of left the church. I went to college and um, just because you were like, I'm an adult now, and I, or just because like there was new places to like meet people and have friends and hang out yeah. and be a, yeah yeah a young yeah, grown up. Was, yeah totally it was like I'm gonna belong to something else now and um, yeah that was kind of it like I'm gonna belong to something else now I'm gonna like find my group of cool friends um, that was like a real priority for me was like like getting cool friends and I did <laughs> yes. I mean I honestly I feel like so much of my addiction was about like being able to have cool friends yeah <laughs> like not yeah. feel my feelings not be in my body have cool friends <laughs> totally same <laughs> same absolutely like absolutely and um and that and I did that I did that and and one of the ways you know for so many of us like one of the ways that to achieve a sense of belonging is through drugs and alcohol and, and, and yeah, I did that. And, um, you know, I, um, I also wanted to do everything. Like I, 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 I I was so busy in college. I was so busy and, um, and studying was really a struggle. And so like, you know, like, you know, I had, I had like three different Adderall hookups and then I was snorting Adderall and then like, gotta and stay then I tried, away, yeah, I gotta <laughs> stay away. Gotta get my work done. Gotta do all the things I want to do. And, uh, and then, you know, and then eventually like I tried cocaine for the first time and like cocaine and alcohol were just like, like that was the way that I could be who I always wanted to be, which was like mm-hmm. a party girl that like gave no fucks that like, who cares if I'm clumsy, you know, who cares if I'm like, I'm so fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so fucking cool. I mean, it's just, I mean, like, you know, those drugs are just, like, so intoxicating. I mean, obviously, literally intoxicating. Um, But, um, (laughs) yeah, but for, like, the ego, especially, I think, to, like, exactly for especially for, like, an awkward kid who was, like, I don't know how to be in the world (laughs) to have, like, a fucking, like, I don't know, like rocket ship to feeling cool Absolutely. <laughs> and staying awake. F- exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've also been like tired since I was like, you know, <laughs> I was always like the first kid asleep at the sleepover, you know, and like that wasn't the case anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I see you. I didn't, I didn't realize we had so many like similarities in our story. I didn't realize Thank you for saying that. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and so in, in 2006, along with dance aerobics, how did you, how did you get sober? Or how so, did, I'm actually super, super curious about like what that, like how those things wove together because it seems quite beautiful. Yeah, it's really powerful. Um, I'm, I mean, it is, it's powerful to me. I, um, moved to LA in 2006 and at that point like had a you know a daily um, drug habit and um, you know pulled a geographic came to Los Angeles to like make weird movies with my friends you know as many as many of us did that ended up here <laughs> and um, you know and like over the course of and then I didn't get sober till 2009 so those three years um, those three years were you know the way, Intense. yeah, the way that like the last three years of someone, um, you know, being out is, um, and um, I got sober by way of intervention. Um, Same. And, <laughs> oh my gosh, really? I didn't know that. Oh my gosh, oh, I love this, Louisa. Yes, this is so this special. Is this is yeah, really <laughs> special, and and um, uh, I mean that's yeah, really really special because you know you were you were a figure of my sobriety that in my first year I met you and, um, 
Yeah, and I've just like never forgotten you because like, oh. yeah, I mean like because I mean that same thing, right? Like get cool friends. <laughs> have over. the best time <laughs> cool friends. and like yeah and like I saw you as you know like super cool person and like having like oh. a lot of fun and sobriety like that was like really clear to me and um you know that was like really potent like really really potent for me to to witness but but how I got there was by way of intervention um my friends and my mom and my sister um basically like my my girl my ex-girlfriend like kind of like told on me basically like called my mom and was like I don't think you know what's going on over here and I'm so like eternally grateful to her because wow. I that's I a lot really, of love yeah it was it was like a really huge huge act of love um from her and I um because I didn't like I wanted to die like I would have rather have died than tell my parents that I needed help or tell my friends that I was lying and like didn't know how to, how to get out of what I was in. Um, I didn't know how to, how to ask for help or how to be honest about what was going on. And it was really, and like, and I thought nobody knew, you know, and of course, you know, they did. <laughs> of course they did know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I think it's also so scary, like, especially getting sober young because it's hard like, even if it's really like bad and scary and dark, it's really like the disease is so that's where it's like cunning, baffling and powerful, right? That it's like, I can only actually know that I need help and I want help like 10% of the time. The rest of the time I'm just in like full flight from reality. So I don't have like the willingness, you know, I'm so defensive around it. It protects itself, you know. It totally does. Absolutely. Like they would mostly like, I remember there being, yeah, exactly what you said. Just like moments, um, sometimes during the day or sometimes in the middle of the night, right, where I was alone, where I would be like, you know, I like, yeah, where I would just be like, fuck, like, I know tomorrow's going to be the same, even though I swear that it won't be. And I, but I know that it will be. And like, I have no idea how to stop this. And like, you know, I have, you know, the family disease of alcoholism runs in like both sides of my family. And so like, you know, like I, I grew up, you know, with my, both of my parents telling me that like, you know, you have depression, like you really need to be careful with how much you drink. We have alcoholism in our family. You really need to be careful, you know, and just like, but like the denial was so strong. was like, no, I'm going to figure this out. No, I'm going to figure this out. I can figure this out. I can figure this out. (laughs) Or like somehow it doesn't apply to me. Like somehow I hear you, but like, I am different. I'm special. Like that can't be what's true for me. Or if it is like, I don't really understand what it means. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's like the kind of like the hubris of being young and not being able to like know something that we haven't experienced yet and matched with like the denial of the the powerful denial of, of the disease. Totally, totally. So, like the the, the intervention works. It seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it did, and I got I got sober um, May thirteenth, two thousand nine. I got sober, and um, and and basically, like I, um, there was like this angel person that kind of like he- heard about me through the person that ran the intervention. His name was Bradford. And this doctor, Neva Chappet, um, kind of like took me under her wing and got me, um, got me a bed, um, at, um, 
at a detox and then got me a bed at um, Casa de las Amigas, which is now just called Casa in Pasadena. And, awesome. um, and like I was able to, um, yeah, I was able to go to a rehab and get sober there. And there, there was a woman named Marilyn who came on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. to do aerobics with us. That's so rad. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. And like, um, and I was like, like, God. like well, I she know, basically, basically. God, but I, that's but amazing. I, I mean, basically, every, most people hated it. Like, yeah, because they were like, it's 7 a.m. Maryland. Fuck like, you. hated it. And I was like, oh my God, I, you know, it was hard, right? It was really hard. Like I smoked so much then, like I could barely breathe. <laughs> like, you know, I'd be sweating, you know, I, I barely breathe, but like I, um, but I, but my body still loved it. My body loved to grapevine and chasse and like, like listen to pop music. And like, I felt like, yeah, I just, I've, I received her medicine. I received her medicine. Um, oh, that's so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, how did your relationship with, with your body and or your sexuality mm-hmm. change or evolve with long-term recovery? Cause it seems like quite a fucking distance between like where you are and what you facilitate and like what you kind of mm-hmm. tell me about. And also like the experience I, I also have in, in terms of like a lot of body shame and like feeling super disassociated, especially mm-hmm. even very long through early recovery. Yeah. Mid recovery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, I'm, yeah, I'm still coming into greater embodiment and like, you know, the last like couple years kind of, or maybe even a few years, like really trying to understand more about my sexuality, like trying, you know, really wanting enough, like authentic expression of my sexuality and like. Um, I have the help of like a really supportive partner um, that like is both is both like the reason why I want to come into more authentic sexuality, right? Is to like um, like be in greater intimacy with my wife, um, all kinds of intimacy, sexual intimacy, spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, right? And then and then also just like for myself, just like in knowing, in knowing myself, like, you know, we get sober and and we finally get to know ourselves. And, and like, you know, I was, I was pretty lucky, like the obsession to drink and use was lifted from me in my first year of sobriety and hasn't, um, hasn't returned. Um, You know, there have been, there have been some like pretty intense emotional bottoms where I've wanted to drink and I didn't. But those were short-lived. Like, again, the obsession never returned. Um, but th- but things that, like, other – but other things, right? Like, the things that, like, of course, I drink yes. over, right? <laughs> like, all the things that I drink over, um, one of one of the big ones, right, is that, like, like, alcohol and cocaine, like, right, allowed me to become the person that I thought I wanted to be or the person that, like, other – I thought other people would like or be attracted to or love. And, um, and so without drugs, without drugs and alcohol, right. What are the other things that I can do to contort myself to become a thing, to become a person that like is worthy of love or, 
attraction or whatever right and so like that has taken that has taken you know it's been 13 and a half years it's taken all it's taken all of this time to slowly like slowly slowly recover from from dishonesty in the form of people pleasing dishonesty in the form of like um yeah just like performing performing like self-abandoning and then like performing Uh, like whatever uh. I think whatever I think like another person wants from me and I mean, the fact, like, I, um, so, gosh, that's, uh, sorry, that's kind of broad, but, um, yeah, I think that's kind of broad, but. No, I think that's, that's, like, perfect. I mean, honestly, like, I think it's, because I think it's really hard to be specific with it because it, like, it's, like, trying to look at, like, a network of veins, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It can be so hard to like name the exact thing because there's so many exact things. Um, and yeah. like, it's, it, I don't know. I think it can be so like, one of the things we try and do in the show is like tell the story about like our recovery in a really mm-hmm. global sense by sp- focusing specifically on like sex and embodiment and authenticity <laughs> and like how that kind of have those things kind of like expand as we get sober right and also like mm-hmm. within this idea of sexuality it's kind of the the more like audre lord um view of like the erotic of like a sense of vitality <laughs> you know like a sense of like embodied connectedness and like love for life right i was just I think reading you name it I was just reading that last night and to prep for this oh. talk. <laughs> because I am like, because, because I, yeah, because I, I mean that, I mean that I say like, um, you know, it was so impactful and like, um, I mean, yeah, I, I think I can answer a little bit more specifically then. So thank you so much for like, yeah, helping, helping me kind of, or clarifying, but like I, um, like it is kind of it is kind of told through aerobics for me a little bit. It's kind of it's a little bit embarrassing, but it but it That's is not embarrassing at all. It's so beautiful. I, like, you know, like like got sober was doing aerobics um like at the rehab, right? And then like started and kind of like started exercising through that. Um I also I also like as soon as I stopped doing drugs and alcohol, I started throwing up my food. Like there was like immediately like the like the intervention happened um on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday I was I was throwing up my food. And I hear you. Uh, and I'm also kind of in recovery from the not eating one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and I, and I, you know, when I did that for the first, um, I think like the first two years of my sobriety, I was, I was of my sobriety from drugs and alcohol. I was, I was throwing up my food and, um, and exercising. Very <laughs> um, confusing for the body, but okay, I see yeah, you. Like, totally, so. <laughs> right, totally confusing for the body. And like, you know, I had a, you know, I had a really amazing like counselor, um, who was like one of the founding members of NA and, you know, she oh, was, wow. she was the first person that told me that, like, told me the thing about whack-a-mole, you know, that like, it yeah. was like whack-a-mole and like, and so, you know, like, um, you know, she kind of oh. like helped me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I got rid of this one and then this, this other one immediately mm-hmm. came up and that other one, right. The thing about like throwing up all my food is like, 
you know, people, um, people like talk about how that's like, uh, you know, like silencing yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like not having a voice. And, wow. and then like, I did not know um, that, but that's really intense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, right. And I, and I really, I, I do think that was part of it. And then, and then the exercise thing, I, I didn't over-exercise, um, but it was really like, it was like me, um, it was, but you know, I didn't, but I didn't have the best relationship to, to exercise at that time, but I was so excited to like, actually like be into like using my body in this way. Um, uh, and then I stopped doing dance aerobics and, um, I moved out of sober living. I was at sober living for like the first you know year and a half of my sobriety. I moved out of sober sober living. And, Why did you um, stop? Out of curiosity, or I how just did felt, that like? Yeah, I felt like oh, time to move on, and like like live like a real. I think I was like I was like I need to live like a real person, like a real like person <laughs> at all, right? And it's like and so I kind of like left <laughs> this like, really like, supportive <laughs> bubble. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, just like it's so cute though. Like as you say, real person, you're like doing robot. Or- <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right? I needed to like act a like curious adult. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I needed to like act like like that like something or I don't, I don't know like get my life together and and um. And it kind of like a lot of the, a lot of it kind of fell apart and, um, and, um, and I, um, I started, there's actually like a, like a piece here that like, I, I actually don't want to share about specifically. So I'm trying That's to, cool. um, I'm trying to like. <laughs> Um, work around it. It's cool. We yeah, have time. I'm trying to like work around <laughs> it, but be, um, but stay in my truth. Um, but I think the next thing that happened after I stopped throwing up my food is um, that I like kind of moved into like. Um, more traditional like codependency and codependent relationships mm-hmm. with people and um, was in like a long-term relationship that, um, you know, I did, I really like contorted myself into like my, mm. into something that I thought, um, yeah, like I might as well have been drinking and using honestly. Cause like, like when I look at like, pictures of myself at that time I'm like whoa like that's not who I was at all yeah and um and I wasn't really exercising at that time and um I was having sex but like it was really like it was like me it was like it was like what I it was like what I did when I was a kid like I was like like performing sex like my idea Mm of like I'm you know like any any femme in, in the United States, like I've just been like really, really, really influenced by by the patriarchy and like yeah. I mean, like it's, I how, think it's really hard to yeah disentangle like what's oneself and what's like the messages and how to kind of like navigate in between those things in a way that feels voluntary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I also, I mean, in in, in the word voluntary, exactly. Like like. Uh, 
I didn't have clarity about what was voluntary and involuntary. And on top of that, I also like didn't have any, I didn't have like any language around consent really, or, or like I wasn't able to, because like I, I, because I didn't have tools, like as a kid or raised, I didn't really have tools for saying no ever. Um, I also didn't know what it was a yes. Like I had no idea what was a no and what was a yes in my body. Yes. And like that oh my God, like, I so relate. That's yeah. And that's something, and that's something that like we get through sobriety and, and is, is, you know, we, if we commit to it, like we get to like learn more about, about ourselves and our likes, like our likes and our dislikes and what feels safe and what doesn't. And so I was kind of like pursuing all these things that I thought would bring me a sense of safety, like Mm -hmm. being in like, um, being like in some kind of like heteronormative relationship right? Like was, was, you know, something that I thought like might be, um, bring, bring a sense of security and safety. And then maybe through that I would be able to like, but, but, but all of that was actually like, you know, really in hard contrast, um, to, and contradictory to like my sexuality and, Mm. and my entire, actually like my entire queer identity, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, And, um, and so I'll kind of wrap up, uh, kind of, and, and by saying that like, um, pony sweat started in 2014 and, and it started because my friends, again, kind of through intervention, like my friend who saw how much I kind of like saw how much pain I was in, um, knew how much I loved dance aerobics, knew that I had this dream of teaching it, knew that I was like, like lacked so much confidence. Like I just didn't Mm -hmm. have like any, any like self-worth or confidence Um, because I kept going to like the wrong stuff for it. You know, like I wasn't actually like, like I I kept trying to get it through, you know. um, Means it weren't working. Yeah, exactly. And so my friend Noah, like, rented a studio at this, at this dance studio that I'm in right now. And um, like a few months out and was like, I rented, I rented the room. It's happening. And, you know, at this date and you're going to put together a routine and teach it to us. And then, and that night, like Pony Sweat was born. And again, it is really beautiful. It is really beautiful. Like I've been like saved by my friends. So, so hard. So many times it's like, I'm just so fucking lucky. But what happened was like, you know, through Pony Sweat, like when I finally started doing, when I came back to dance aerobics, right, which is like a really authentic part of me and turns out like also like a way that I embody my sexuality, right, is like, is, is, is through this kind of movement, is through music, it's through moving my body to music, like songs that I love, you know, like songs that I love that like express parts of me that like I don't know how to express. Um, you know, all of that, like I ended up, you know, I ended up leaving that relationship, um, you know, and like, he kind of did it for me. You know, he was like, he was like, it just seems like you're not really, it seems like you just kind of want to do your own thing was one of the last things he said to me. Like when we were like, actually, yes, (laughs) thank you. Like, thank you for giving me the language that like, I actually don't have right now. And like, and yeah, I did. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to like be my own person and not this like, like kind of like doll that like I was allowing him to like dress up and manipulate. Yeah. And also to like, I mean, I like how 
it's kind of, I, and I experience this also that it's often like my body knows what I need before I can possibly kind of, um, yes. name it. So like, it's literally yeah. like dancing ourselves free. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely was. And it didn't, yeah, it absolutely, it was that, it was that it was like, I had to like, yeah, I had to get into my body first. Oh, I'm so like, thank you so much for sharing that because it does seem like one of the questions is like, pony sweat seems to divine calling. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. How did it start? And like, <laughs> there we are. Cause I mean, it's also like, it sounds like not only a vessel for kind of you and your growth and healing, but it's also like a vessel of service, you know, that like this idea of like radical acceptance um, and like a kind of aggressively safe is such a, a thrilling thing, you know, and I really appreciate it. Like I see you, that's fucking, it's beautiful. Cause if I'm going to do dance aerobics, it needs to feel that way. <laughs> well, yeah, totally dude. And like, you know, it is funny because like that thing that happened right for me is like, it's happened. Like I see it happen with ponies. Like many a pony have like come to pony. So for the first time, like, connect with it for reasons they might not be sure of and then like you know I you know six months passed and they were like you know getting their like queer haircut and are like and, and are like <laughs> leaving their husband <laughs> like I'm just like I'm not saying that like pony sweat like will turn you queer um, but it might it might but it might, it might help you yeah it might it might help you um but 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 what it is is like people coming into their bodies like that's it is that like we can't and I I don't take that for granted anymore. Like I, especially, especially like after what, what I said at the top of this conversation about like, you know, how before the, before 2020, like I was, I was using my body in this way that was like actually like um, really activating. Cause I was like using my body for, in a way that like wasn't actually for me. Mm. And, and like, I was like misusing like my, my body and and when I do that now it's really activating it's like how can you tell yeah it totally makes sense but it's also like as somebody like I you know recovering exercise bulimic and it's really easy it's like such a fine line between um knowing what like how am I how am I training for joy like how am I using this like as a tool or how am I using it as a weapon like Mm -hmm. to use against myself to kind of like winnow away (laughs) my feelings or myself you know yeah um like and it can it can be very confusing because like it can often be the exact same thing it just feels different right yeah um so how do you know when it's when you're like I'm acting I'm I'm feeling activated and using it and I'm like using myself in a way that doesn't feel true yeah um thanks so much for sharing that because you're right it can be the same thing but it feels different it's like for me it comes out as it's very it's very similar to you know the last time the last like the last several times I had sex with somebody that I didn't want to have sex with because like I was having sex with them because they wanted to have sex with me and like I was just like misusing my body right I was just like allowing like allowing some external force to like use my body however it wants wants to and it's like and and what that felt like was like this like rage 
deep, deep inside of me, a rage, like a rage scream, like from, from my bowels, a rage scream that like then gets stuck. Yeah. Like around my heart, like maybe so it's like lives between, it like lives, like lives between my chest and my bowels. Right. And like, and like the rage scream is there and like, I'm not letting it out. And, um, and so like now I can just, I can, I don't, I don't push the rage scream down. I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, I miss you. That's my body telling me I'm, I'm not, no. I'm not in, I'm not in alignment. <laughs> I'm yeah. You know, does that make sense? That's really hard. Oh my God. Explain. Like, no, that's like the most accurate thing I've it's ever like, heard. Like, it's like, I, it's like I trigger, <sighs> it's like I trigger my damn self. And like, thank you for sharing that specific example also, because I think for a long time, I like didn't really identify with like, I, I kind of felt like sympathy for the like idea of rape culture without really knowing how I was participating because I couldn't even read that scream. And then it wasn't until I kind of became embodied and thought about this, like how many times I'd fucking like, allowed myself to be in situations that I didn't self-advocate that I didn't enjoy that like I couldn't even recognize that I was like out of there you know yeah um and like that yeah like that it's it's such a fucking violent metaphor but it's it's really it rings very true this idea of like when I kind of abuse my body as such like it's the same fucking thing like and not not to kind of um what like what is the word um undermine experiences of you know assault or rape but this idea of like how how do I self-abandon when it counts yeah it always counts (laughs) yeah and it always counts yeah yeah that's really like I really appreciate how you articulated that yeah exactly it's like yeah um so like um, you mentioned having a wife, and I know that in uh, in the pandemic you got married, yeah. <laughs> which is so awesome. So Thank can you. you like can you share some of your love story with us? Yeah, well, um, Lisaida is my wife, and she's like a miracle. I mean, she's really like a miracle. I was just like, actually saying to a, a sober friend the other day that like we don't have to like get perfect and like heal all of our trauma in order to like like have a loving healthy relationship that like you know it's not I think I've also I think I used to think about it like kind of linearly like yeah. I have to do this, this this and this and then maybe I'll right like you wouldn't like, be perfect enough to have a lover <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like otherwise I'm not safe and like I'm not I'm not you know um but Lisa is like really kind of a miracle and we had we were kind of like circling each other's lives for a couple of years and I knew I hadn't met her but knew who she was actually through the same person Noah that um mentioned your <laughs> dance studio <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Noah, I know he's a powerful Leo person and um and um Anyway, like, um, they knew each other and like Noah had mentioned her to me like, oh, you should really meet this person. But like, I was in, I was in another, I was in this other relationship. I was like, I don't think I can meet that person. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't think I can meet that person. And, um, yeah, some part of me knew. And then anyway, we met, we met a couple of years later, um, 
after both of us were out of relationships and, um, and we started dating and like, I wasn't sure if I was, um, she was like very, she like really knew that she was monogamous and that that was the only kind of relationship she wanted to be in. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure at that point if like, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't sure about like, um, if I was poly, if I needed an open relationship, if like, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know. And that was like kind of a question that I had had since I was, you know, a teenager. Um, cause I'd been in like a lot of open relationships, a lot of like unsuccessful open relationships and a lot of unsuccessful <laughs> monogamous relationships. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I knew that Lisa Ida was like someone that I really wanted to treasure. And, um, so we didn't like, we weren't like official, we didn't like officially become, um, like a couple until she like wanted me to like ask her to be her girlfriend and for me Aww. to be certain <laughs> and for me to be certain that like I wanted I wanted to like be in a monogamous relationship with her before I did and so I started to think about like I started to think about monogamy as like more of a choice and then I felt like I had a lot of like agency and autonomy in that and that felt really good that like oh just like just like I make choices to stay sober and just like I make choices to not be dishonest like I can also like make a choice to like commit myself to this one person and I can do it one day at a time and um, that's so beautiful and also like such a kind of radical departure than like from the default setting right of like well I guess this is how it's supposed to be and then kind of quietly resenting it or feeling like trapped you know totally yeah well exactly exactly like I yeah I don't don't I I can't feel trapped like that will make me just like really act it'll it has historically made me like act out if I feel trapped um but I've never I, I've never felt trapped with Lisa and I think because she's also has really like has has always kind of been like whatever it is like for you but you need to know for yourself because I know I know for me um which and, is super like admirable I mean I like and I hear your admiration of her yeah uh, like what's the word I'm looking for um like definitive choices. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I do have a lot of admiration for her. Like she has, she has like a really like beautiful, like self-awareness and, um, you know, she's like, she's not sober. She like, you know, she'll like, you know, have, she enjoys like a, a crafted cocktail and like sometimes she'll like, <laughs> sometimes she'll get like, you know, really laughy and like a little frisky um <laughs> I guess it's like it's just like the just opposite of how I drink in every single way <laughs> you're like, oh, you just like giggle and are cuter than usual yeah, how yeah, fascinating it's so wild it's really really wild um but um <laughs> You know, so she, you know, she wanted me to like ask her to be my girlfriend. And then I, and then I asked, so I did ask her, like we had been dating for maybe a little less than a year. I asked her to be my girlfriend. And then when I did that, you know, I kind of jokingly was like, but you know, you, if I ask you, like, you're going to have to ask me to marry you. And, um, and so she did. And that actually, like, I did want that. Um, I didn't know that I wanted to get, I didn't know I wanted to be married until I was sober. And I was like, oh yeah, I think. I actually want to like be married to a person. And, um, and, um, so yeah, we got, we got queer married in, in 2020. She, uh, proposed to me in 2018 and, 
Um, and I really love being married. It was like a powerful ritual. I feel like, I feel like a third thing was really like solidified, like a third mm. entity, the entity of yeah. our relationship was really like solidified in that, in that ritual. Um, we, you know, we chose like a shared last name, um, Valiente and like, um, yeah. And I, I feel, I feel changed. I feel changed by that ritual for sure. It's really cool. That's awesome. I like how much reverence you have for it. Cause I think like, it's easy again, like to kind of have a default setting of like, I guess this is the next step. This is what yeah, we're doing. Totally. As opposed to like, this is intentional. This is what I want it to mean. This is how I want the ceremony to kind of like symbolize love and like what it should, what it, I want it to release, et cetera. Like what we want it to mean for our couple. That's like, Fucking beautiful. So uh, in 12-step recovery, there's this concept of the sex ideal or -hmm. like who we want to show up as Mm -hmm. in our sexual or romantic partnerships. Do you have an ideal that you're like growing towards today? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's like what we've been talking about. And the thing that you just described is to like, to find more and more ease in making choices that don't self-abandon to making like authentic mm-hmm. choices, like to really like have more and more intentionality. And I think, yeah, like more ease, like, like it's so, it can be really loaded. Like for those of us with trauma, which I feel like is most, most of us. <laughs> most sober people. Unfortunately, most people, like, especially most sober yeah, people. Right? <laughs> like, like, like it can be so loaded, like, um, it can be really, really loaded and for good reason. But I think that, so I guess my sex ideal is to like continue to like heal from trauma and like bring more ease into creating the conditions to feel safe, to be playful and weird and, um, awkward and <laughs> and like um yeah does that yeah I think that's, that's I think so, that's what it is <laughs> I mean this is like I'm mean, like granted like we're being recorded this is a podcast but like I'm like this isn't for me this is for you <laughs> <laughs> so awesome that's so that's I think we're we're gonna leave it before the lightning round uh which is like don't think too hard okay <laughs> just yeah beautiful. just go ease yeah. um favorite snack Popcorn. <laughs> Pump up song. Wait, what? What's your like favorite song that gets you pumped up right now? Because I know oh, it probably changes frequently. My pump up song. Yeah, actually right now is this, um, I was just dancing to it. It's this here, which is the remix. It's a Fever Ray song. It's a remix, still dancing, still dancing, ongoing mix. Where is it? Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I don't, oh my God. Worst no, answer. Yo, we can edit. It's the best lightning, answer. Lightning round. <laughs> lightning can be slow. Oh, that's right. I'm not done. I'm not done. Fever rate. I'm not done. Still not done dancing mix. Okay. I'm, I'm queuing this up afterwards so I can yeah. dance while doing the dishes. <laughs> I, I think you'll like it. I'm fucking. St- I love Fever Ray. Like, what a fucking magnificent body of work and like. Little, what a gift. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen a ghost? I haven't seen one, and I don't want to, but I've felt them. Cool. <laughs> what turns you on? You're like not ghosts. <laughs> um. Yeah. Definitely not ghosts. Sorry. Sorry about it. Um. Like. <laughs> 
like um, smashing things, like like the the feeling of like smashing turns me on. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an incredible answer. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Moving on. What's your uh, what's your go to embodiment practice if you're not feeling in touch with yourself or with the present? Yeah, I put on a song, a favorite song, and I dance. I, I probably could have guessed that. Perhaps that was a leading question. <laughs> You're like dance aerobics. Um, <laughs> best series, book, movie you've recently consumed and loved? Best series, book, or movie I've consumed and loved? Oh, this is hard because I actually consume kind of a lot. Um. Oh or like, what are you what are you consuming and enjoying presently? Okay, well, right now, yeah, I actually I can answer that. Okay, I'm consuming presently um, the Living Blood series. Um, this is a book a book series like a um, I think it's actually called the Immortal Africans um, uh, series that was recommended to me from my friend Jaquita. and it's like um, like horror, slightly vampire novels. Um, I really I'm writing this down. This sounds really up my alley. <laughs> pretty, pretty scary. Um, I really, really like it. Yeah, The Living Blood. I think is the, is the second book of the series, and um, and me and my wife just finished watching um, Stranger Things. Fantastic. Yeah. And finally, what do you love? Mm. I love so many things, Louisa. This is hard. I'm really like, I love so many things. You I can mean, just I list love, them off the dome. You can just I like mean, go for it. I this mean, usually turns into like a four minute gratitude list. I know, right? I love people. I really love people. They scare me so much and I love them so much. I love people loving things. Like I love to watch people be into something. Like I just love that. Like, I, yeah. So like karaoke, I don't sing karaoke. Yeah, I love fans. I love fans. I think I think fan culture. I love fan culture so much. Um, I love my dog Pepita. Um, I love <laughs> <Her name's> Pepita. <laughs> I love um, lying in a hammock. I love being sober. I fucking love techno music, and I know you do too. <laughs> the reason just, just like not head head so you just not headbanged. Oh. I threw my neck out. I was just at the osteopath, and I threw my neck out this weekend because I love techno so much. <laughs> I know you do, and oh. I love, I love, um, I love seeing video of you loving techno music. <laughs> like I really love. Um, I have bangers for you. Yeah, bangers I'm for really, days. Yes, please, please, please. More, more, more. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good list. That's I think a beautiful that's good. List. I love being sober. I really love being sober. I love being sober so much more than I love sober. I love being sober as much as I, I love like that first time I got high on cocaine. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, like I love I love it that much. I really do. It's oh man, I, I I that's a beautiful way to describe it. I heard last night in a meeting that someone was like, "Make it somewhere you want to be," and I'm like, "That's fucking yeah. it. I want to be here." You know? Yeah. So, same. where can where can future ponies find you? <laughs> oh yeah, um, Pony Sweat has a website, PonySweat.com, and um, we have like a video zine of aerobics videos. Um, we can live stream class if you want to come to class. If you are in the LA area, um, there's two classes per week. Please come. 
Um, I do a, um, I do a, uh, um, aural, A-U-R-A-L, aural aerobics show on Dub Lab. Um, once a month, there's like a, if you go to Dub Lab, there's a pony sweat that you can kind of listen to instruction with song. Um, oh, that's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. And, um, pony sweat has an Instagram too, but I'm not super active on Instagram. Well, it has been such a joy to catch up with you and to learn more about you, Amelia. I'm, oh. I love you so much. I'm I love like, you this so is much. Like thank you, thank you for being such a really beautiful like beacon of sobriety and recovery for so many of us. Like really, like yeah. you, like you're, it's really, really true. Thank you so much for having me today. It has been nothing but a privilege. I really, I appreciate your presence and it's been a joy. So I'm going to stop recording. Eat. Creativity, authenticity, body autonomy, and mental health, sexuality, gender identity, recovery, recovery, got a spiritual growth, sober, sex, you'll never again.